This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome, 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 welcome to the wine situation. Wow, that really took a turn. I'm so sorry about that. This is the, uh, this podcast has gone through so many iterations. Originally, it was the wine situation with a wine, a, a WH wine, and we paired people's wines with wines. Then we were just like, eh, enough whining. The world sucks. We all know that. Let's just call it the wine situation. So we found out people's situations with wine. Well, now it's still a wine situation. It's always a situation with wine because I will always drink wine with you guys on this show. The situation, though, for the solo season is that we're all at home by ourselves. And I don't want to feel so alone. And I don't think you do either. And so I really hope when you listen to this that you are enjoying something delicious to drink. Because I'm gonna. Uh, So I am Ellen Clifford. Just in case you didn't know that already, I'm Ellen Clifford, the palette, the nickname I gave myself when I decided that Mademoiselle La Palette felt too feminine. And you guys, sometimes I don't feel very feminine. Um, I'm sorry if that's awkward to listen to, but it's just a true fact and I feel better calling myself the palette. So there you go. I'm in the middle of my Wine and Spirit Educational Trust Diploma Program. I'm a certified sommelier. I write articles for delectables. So what I'm saying is if I tell you something about wine, I've probably researched it. And if I haven't, I probably just, it's, I, I know it by now. I'm starting to actually feel confident. Not totally confident because that would be silly because I'm still a baby in the wine world, but I'm starting to feel more confident about wine and actually doing this podcast. So I hope you guys are liking these solo episodes because the cool thing about them is I've realized that since I started this, I have always felt like I had to have someone else to give me approval for what I was doing. That was part of why originally I wanted a a podcast co-host, although damn it, Sean and I, like I get a little serious. Sean was always keeping it goofy. Um, Sean, you were such a great podcast co-host. I'd take you back. Maybe. Or maybe we'd have to start something new. I don't know. Um, And then even after he left, I was like, okay, David, you got to be on the mics. I'm too nervous. I can't do this by myself. And now I have to, and I'm doing it. And the cool thing is I'm just finding... I'm having so many ideas. Like, this show's got... (laughs) Like I've always tell you, man, I got segments and tangents, tangents and segments. I've got so many segments, and I bet it'll lead me on a bunch of tangents, most likely. Uh, Because... I'm really good at getting sidetracked. So anyway, uh, that tangent was because I was trying to focus on something and there I went on a tangent. Um, yeah, so I just feel like I'm really doing what I want with the show right now and I still feel nervous and I still worry that I'm not funny enough, but I'll, I, I, I mean, you, you can tell me, feel free to drop me your opinion anytime. I will definitely listen. But I I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. I hope you're having a lot of fun listening to it. And I don't know. I hope you kind of feel like I'm your friend because I'm trying to not always just like put up my facade of Ellen the wine person who 
I don't know. I'm trying to be a little vulnerable here with you guys. That's what I'm saying. I talked last week about how I made myself vulnerable and, and told someone I admired the truth about why I got nervous around them and how it freed me up. So I'm kind of hoping that I can do the same with you. Um, so before I get to verklempt, I don't know why I used that word. Um, does anyone else remember that was like a Mike Myers character? He was like, I'm, I'm very verklempt, talks amongst yourselves. I don't remember that character name. If you do, drop me a text. If you're listening to this, you probably have my number. <laughs> or message me somewhere like on Instagram and, and tell me what it is. Uh, so before I get to verklempt, though, I'm going to tell you what to expect today. We're going to have another rousing round of who, what, when, where, why, wine, because I feel like it gives this podcast like a good sort of structure it's like the it's like the bones for the meat of the podcast to hang on to except i'm a vegetarian so it's the bones for the tempeh of the podcast to hang on to for the beans for the eggs for the cottage i'm just naming proteins that i eat now guys okay so we're gonna have a game of that we are going to have a boozy book we're of course going to i have this gorgeous wine that i've been waiting like i started recording this podcast then had a had a technical difficulty and uh stopped so i've been staring at this wine for like 20 minutes now i can't wait to drink it we're, so we'll be tasting another woman-made wine together we are going to have the results from the poll I asked a couple episodes ago. We're going to have a little bit of wine bullshit. And uh, we'll also have a drunk dial with uh, someone else who I talked about last week. Uh, my friend Roxy she agreed for, to let me drink drunk dollar. <laughs> Roxy, the one who called Chocolina last week's Who What When Where Why Wine. The one who called that the sweet baby Jesus wine, she's she's who we're going to call. So you can check out the chick. I hope she's okay with me calling her a chick. It just, it was really good alliteration, guys, is what it was. And if this podcast is about anything, it's about alliteration, not just wine. Okay, before I ramble on too much, let's have our first clue. The who of this wine, and last week's wine was sort of a generic category, well, it was, it was basically a wine region. This week, the wine I want you to guess is very specific. So don't jump to conclusions when I just tell you the who is Saskia de Rothschild. That's Saskia de Rothschild. Okay, now let me tell you about this wine that I selected for this week. And I will give the disclaimer that it was sent to me by uh, Colangelo, their, their publicist, in collaboration with the Wines of South Africa. Uh, but they, I, I've had this, I've had this winemaker before and really loved it. And I get plenty of wines that I don't talk about. So I hope whenever I tell you I got a wine for free, you will trust me that I wouldn't tell you about it if it wasn't worth your while. Um, this week's wine is Aslina by Nsiki Bayala Sauvignon Blanc 2019 from South Africa. Now, Aslina is the name of the wine, um, or the winery, I guess you would say, and Nsiki Biela is the woman who started it. I might be saying her name wrong. It's spelled N-T-S-I-K-I space B-I-Y-E-L-A. She, uh, she is from, oh, let's see, let's, I went to the website to check out a little bit more about her. Oh, there's a picture of her. She looks so happy. I would be too if I were hanging out with wine all day. What am I talking about? I kind of am. Um, 
Okay. Hailing from the rolling hills of Zululand, Nsiki Biela embarked on a life-changing journey to the Cape Winelands. It was here where she discovered her talent and passion for creating captivating wines. Out of her dream comes a brand that pays tribute to her great inspiration, her beloved grandmother, Aslina. So I think that's cool. This is not only a woman-made wine, but it's made in homage to another woman. Uh, so here's to grandmothers everywhere. Uh, it's a Sauvignon Blanc. It is from Stellenbosch, Stellenbosch, which is, well, pretty much all, okay, South Africa to this day, I sometimes get bamboozled when I try and explain how they categorize things. They have, like, geographical units, which are, like, big areas, and then they have several different regions, and then they have, within the regions, they have wards, uh, and they also have districts. And sometimes I, I think it's like region, district, oh no, maybe it's district, region, ward. They don't all line up like wards aren't necessarily part of districts or vice versa. It's it's confusing, you guys, but know that a ward's going to be smaller. <laughs> Stellenbosch uh, is a district um, and it is within the coastal region, uh, if that means anything to you. Wait, yes, yes. It's got sandstone, limestone, and granite soils. It's got a variety of, of uh, aspects. That's their, how it faces the sun and altitudes. It gets plenty of rain, but not too much. It's rarely too hot, but it's on the false bay. Um, and let me tell you guys, wines love a bay breeze. And I'm not just talking about the cocktail, the Bay Breeze, which I frequently confuse with the Sea Breeze. The Sea Breeze, I think, is vodka, cranberry juice, and grapefruit juice. And a Bay Breeze is vodka, cranberry juice, and pineapple juice. But I get them confused all the time, and I can never, yeah. Anyway, that was one of those things that I like to call a little tangent. That was a little cocktail tangent. Anyway, Stellenbosch is um, also known for its Bordeaux blends. So it makes complete sense that uh, they're making Sauvignon Blanc there because Bordeaux blends. Well, typically people think, oh, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot. But uh, they forget that in Bordeaux, they also make white wine from Sauvignon Blanc, Simeon, and muscadelle, sometimes small amounts of that for the aromatics. Okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna taste this wine. Uh, I'm probably gonna get really excited because it smells really great. Um, and then we'll take a quick break to have another clue. And then we'll go back and uh, we'll do tasting notes. We'll play what's in the glass, which is no longer, it never was a game, but now it's really not a game. But I will continue to call it a game because, well, if this were a UCB improv class, they might call that the game of the scene. <laughs> she calls everything that's not a game a game. Is the game. Oh, buddy. I haven't even had a drink yet, guys. Okay. Oh, smells heavenly. Woo! Oh, that's super fun. Oh, that's super duper fun. That is... It's getting to be spring. That is super duper fun. Springtime drinking. This wine is kind of elegant and earthy and oh goodness. Okay, well we're, we're gonna have a lot to talk about in what's in the glass, but before we do that, and let me double check, you should see my desk. It's like the spread of papers with all the details of things I want to talk to you guys about. Um, it's a little haywire. 
uh, and I'm trying to check off things on my agenda so I don't lose track of where I am. Let's see. We did the intro. We did clue one. We did the introduction online. Oh, it's time for clue two. Uh, clue two is a what. Remember, the who is Saskia de Rothschild. The what is the name of this wine, which stands for <clears throat> an idealized mountain that rose through the power of nature and then was carefully chiseled by human hands. This wine was named for a mountain. So uh, take with that, uh, take from that what you will. Oh, let's play what's in a glass. The game is not a game, which is the game. I feel kind of like the detective in, uh, oh, what was that movie? Knives Out. That's the name of that movie where the guy's like, this thing that I thought was the hole in our, our donut of a, of a plot was not actually a hole, but a smaller donut within the hole. So the hole was not, the donut was not whole at all. It's really silly. That's how I feel with my wine game. Okay, what's in a glass? I'm going to give you, like I always do, my tasting notes, and then we're going to see how they correspond to what the, uh, to what the website says. This is a pale lemon yellow with a hmm, uh, pretty thin legs. It's it's a, looks to be a light body wine. No evidence of gas or sediment. Oh wait, hold on. Tangent real quick. Uh, this movie Uncorked just came out, and it's a little. It's it's kind of funny because the tasting scenes where they're practicing blind tasting are kind of realistic but they're a little bit extra in terms of what the people that aren't masters are saying like it's people rarely get quite that specific in blind tasting it's a little extra but but it's a fun movie okay tangent over uh no evidence of gas or sediment uh the wine is sound medium plus intensity aromas of lemons chalk limes uh a hint of something a little floral, like a little orange blossom. Mmm. Gooseberry. <laughs> Last week I was like, you won't know gooseberry till you smell it. It's just like very mild gooseberry. It almost smells astringent. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how this is. Uh, there's some minerality, but really just like bright citrus fruits. <sighs> oh, maybe almost something a little... There's like, yeah, there's some earth and like a little bit of earth and grit to it. That whetstone kind of thing. Just a hint of like underripe pineapple. I know this is getting really specific, but it's not nearly so specific as... I see people giving notes sometimes like washed lemon rind, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, if that person uh, who writes, uh, if they're a friend of mine on Delectable hears that... Just, um, maybe I, you just need to explain it to me and it'll make sense. I could be the, the dummy here. Anyway, um, what else am I getting? A little bit of grass. Yeah, like fresh cut lawn with some dew on it. This is early morning grass. It's not afternoon grass. Afternoon grass gets toasty. This is early morning springtime grass. Oh my god. Uh, I love that so much. Okay, let's taste it. Oh, my mouth waters immediately. It's got some nice bright acid. Like, it's got acid like sunshine. That probably doesn't make any sense, but that's what it feels like. It's like little little rays of sunshine cutting cutting through my throat and making me salivate. And I love it. Um, that's the acid situation. Oh, let me guess alcohol. Let's see. Hmm. 
I'm gonna go. It feels not that high. Like I'm gonna say it could even be as low as twelve point five. I'm probably wrong. I've been bad recently. I've been failing at alcohol, guys. Let's look at this bottle. Thirteen five. Yeah, guys, I've been doing really badly. A full point may not sound like a lot, but it's kind of a lot. While I've got the bottle in my hand, I can also tell you, oh, the bottle's giving me even more information that the website didn't. It's uh, certified for environmental uh, sustainability. It is vegan. Um, they have the woman winemaker thing. Oh, that was another thing about uh, Insiki Biela is she employs women in her village to make her marketing materials. Um, and she aims to develop the community. So she really is trying to help the world with her wine. Um, micro-production, social responsibility, um, those are some other just like tech facts. So yeah, alcohol is definitely in like the, like going into the medium plus range then I guess. It's tricky, tricky, tricky. Maybe I'm confusing alcohol and acid. That, that can happen. I'm not getting phenolic bitterness on it. Uh, I just read this whole article that got a little too scientifically dense even for me about what it means for a wine to be phenolic and the different types of phenols and how they express themselves and how they change with time. Um, uh, tannins are a phenol. I'll stop there. That's all you probably want to know. If you want to know more, if you want me to go geek-ass science on you, I'll have to like have a full-on... I'll have to wait till I can have guests again and I can have a scientist on because it can get pretty dense. Um, I'm sure when I pursue a master of wine, I'll probably be trying to learn that. Oh, my fridge just started making more noise. Fridge, baby, you were being so quiet and good. Why'd you have to do that? This is what happens in apartment recording, guys. Okay, tangent done. Let's go back to palate. We covered acid. We covered alcohol. It is dry. I forgot to say that. The body is... The body is medium minus. It's a very light wine. Flavor intensity is medium and it's still just like really, you get a little bit more like slightly riper citrus. Like it was kind of like more sharp lemons and limes and stones and stuff on the nose, all in that like dewy lawn. Um, just picture yourself rolling around in a dewy ass lawn, holding some lemons and limes, and um, your this lawn happens to be by a riverbed. That was the nose. On the palate, it's more like more like you're squeezing a, a tangerine. Yeah, you're squeezing, you're, you're still on that dewy lawn, but it's a little later morning, like the, the moisture is coming off and you're squeezing, you're squeezing some tangerine juice for breakfast while, while sitting cross-legged on this lawn. Um, yeah. Mm. Hmm. There's, yeah, but still, you're also, like, you've plucked some cilantro. Um, the gooseberries, they're not there. They went away when the sun came up. But um, you also, like, you're making this juice with tangerine juice and more, more lemon and lime juice. Uh, but you also picked some cilantro that you're tossed in there. Uh, this lawn is further from the stream, so there's that. And uh, what else? There's, I'm not getting so much of the floral thing. Uh, maybe maybe the orange blossom I mentioned before has turned into turned into actual orange as in the tangerine, which is 
a type of orange, I think? Or is it just a type of citrus that reminds us of oranges? I don't know. Uh, botanist, get at me. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, the, 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 the finish, I'd put it medium, but it's like, it kind of lingers and then it gives you that kick, which is the acid coming through. Or maybe the alcohol, which apparently I've lost my ability to analyze. Uh, possibly because, uh, I guess everyone is probably going through a little more alcohol recently these days who's staying in. I definitely did like the first week or so. I think I leveled out when I realized, uh... This is really bad, and I only have one liver, and, uh, like, try not to get too tragic, Clifford. I really hope you guys aren't getting too tragic out there. Like, it's all fun and games to be like, oh, we're, we're drinking more because we're trapped, and this all, that's all there is to do, just open up wine and drink. Okay, you can do that maybe once a week, go for it, but don't make it a nightly habit. Like, I do want to come out of this alive and, uh, ready to conquer the world with new things, or ready to take this podcast live into my own TV show, because that is going to happen. But yeah, that was my PSA for, yeah, keep drinking wine, keep enjoying wine, but, you know, moderation. I also say moderation and moderation, but uh, let's, let's look after our livers. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to tell you. Okay, well, now let's see how my notes compare to what they say. <laughs> That's always fun. Hmm. Oh, this wine is delightful. It feels like like a little linen dress. Like it's a hot day, but you're wearing a cooling linen dress on a lawn. It's got to be on a lawn, which actually is kind of a classic Sauvignon Blanc note, come to think of it. Um, okay, their tasting notes say, A complex Sauvignon Blanc with bright fruit, lots of citrus characters, lemon zest, complexity, beautiful complexity and depth. Extended time on the lees give this wines a unique, lingering, silky finish. I mean, I get the lingering, uh, but then the acid kick didn't make it feel silky, but that's interesting. I didn't pick up on... So the lees are when you ferment the, the grape juice to make the wine. The lees are the dead yeast cells, because once the yeasties eat up the, uh, the, the sugar in the juice to create alcohol and carbon dioxide and heat, they they die and they fall to the bottom. But they can give a really, um, they undergo autolysis sometimes, which gives these kind of like, well, if you think about bread, bread uses yeast, like I'm talking about yeasted bread, obviously. Uh, um, when they break down, the, they'll give a the wine a kind of toasty note and also stirred, they can give a kind of sort of lactic character. Now I'm like, did I miss lactic character? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe the lactic character is my linen dress. I think that may be it. Wow. You guys, I think we really, we really figured something out. Lactic character is my linen dress. Uh, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go bathe in yogurt now. Hmm. <clears throat> Anyway, th those are your tasting notes on Azlina. I thoroughly like have been getting in the last year or so, I've been getting really into wines from South Africa. Uh, and Azlina, I've had their, I think I had had their red wines before, but this was my first Sauvignon Blanc 
and I was so excited when it got sent to me because I was like, A, I know I love that wine, uh, that winery. B, I am trying to feature women winemakers. So uh, let's get into it together. I hope you guys have something crisp and refreshing too, if it's as warm where you are as it is in Los Angeles tonight. That or else all the food I've been eating, staying in, I have been doing an exceptional amount of baking and consuming of baked goods. And I think my metabolism must be on hyperdrive. I'm one of those people who when I eat more, my body just like revs up my metabolism and I'm hot all the time. So I'm not sure if it's actually warm or it's just me. I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go to clue number three on who, what, when, where, why, wine. Clue number three is September 19th, 2019, the year this particular wine became available for purchase. If you want to review, clue number one was Saskia de Rothschild. Clue number two was the name of this wine, which stands for an idealized mountain that rose through the power of nature and then was carefully chiseled by human hands. And clue number three is September 19th, 2019. All right, you guys, <laughs> this new segment that just came to me because I was reading. So uh, part of all of us being on Instagram all the time is you're interacting with people that were like, people in your life, but not people that like you knew, knew, but now suddenly like we're all, everyone's each other's best friend, like in kind of a genuine way though, like, cause we're all so in this together. Uh, so my friend Roderick Daniels, who's another uh, sommelier, he posted some quotes. I was like, what's that? And he says from my favorite book, The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway, profound alcoholic there with a great cocktail though, named after him and really cute cats with six toes tangent. Tangent alert. Um, anyway, Ernest Hemingway uh, wrote The Sun Also Rises. And so I was like, oh, wow, I think I read that in high school. I don't remember much about it. But you're a sommelier. You should read A Movable Feast if you haven't, which is um, a first person account of just like eating and drinking in Paris by Ernest Hemingway. That's pretty great. And he was like, yeah, I'll read that. And I was like, OK, cool. I'll read The Sun Also Rises. Hence why I was reading it. And oh my God, you guys, <laughs> if there was, if you want to, if you want, this book could serve two purposes. If you want a book to um, make you feel okay about drinking while you're reading, because you, to make you feel okay about it, this is perfect because there's no way anybody well, I don't know. I don't know you. You do you, but I hope you're not drinking as much as the characters in this book are. So if you want a, a book to make you feel a little bit better about the fact that a glass of wine with dinner or a glass of wine at the end of the day um, is okay, yeah, do it. Also, if you're drinking way too fucking much and you want to like see a bunch of people whose lives become trash fire just a little bit, because maybe not because they're drinking so much, but it sure isn't helping. Uh, maybe also read this. It'll either inspire you to drink or to be like, hey, you should put down the booze because, man, this is crazy. So The Sun Also Rises is, in fact, a great book. I really enjoyed rereading it. I remembered a little. It's kind of funny to me that they gave it to us in high school because it's a very sort of adult feeling novel. Um, let me give you cliff notes of the, uh, the, uh, of the plot. So it's narrated by Jake Barnes, who is a writer. He's an expat in Paris, uh, from, from the U.S. And, uh, Jake Barnes, man, he is mad about Brett. 
not the Britannomyces thing that makes swine smell like meat and sweaty horses, uh, about Brett. She's a girl from England. Uh, so Jake's not the only one who's mad about Brett. So is, uh, Robert Cohen, uh, or Con, Cohn, C-O-H-N, and also mad about Brett? <laughs> Go figure, happens to be her fiancé, Mike. And they all, like, they all know Brett's just like, Brett cannot make up her fucking mind. I mean, homegirl can't figure it out. She's like, I love this person, but I can't ever settle down. But I'm 34, I don't want to be the bitch who ruins people. Like, that's actually a line. Um, <laughs> Brett can't make up her mind. God, this book was written by a man. Ugh. Okay. Um, anyway, also later, so they all go to Spain together because that's what people in weird love quadrangles do. Um, and of course, Brett, they go to Spain for the running of the bulls in Pamplona as well as the bullfights because <clears throat> Jake, the, the narrator, is an aficionado. And of course, Jake meets a bullfighter. So then Brett also meets this bullfighter, Romero. And, of course, Brett falls madly in love with Romero. Um, yeah, everyone's just like, this book could be renamed Mad About Brett. Um, she runs off with him. I'm probably, oh, I don't want to spoil the plot for you. But, so, the thing you should know about this book, though, is it is virtually punctuated by drinking. Uh, every other sentence is like, I ordered a drink. They brought the drink. They poured the drink. They opened the drink. I sipped the drink. They finished the drink. Let's order another drink. <laughs> There's a great sense of humor, though, in this book. Like, because you can tell... Yeah, I, I don't know. There's, like, a very dry sort of commenting without commenting on how what alcoholics they are. Like, uh, at one point, a character, I think Bill, Bill is... Or, no. Mike is complaining about how he's broke, and Bill's like, let's get another drink! And Mike is like, great idea! Talking about finances never helps anything! And the narrator is just like, Bill and I paid for the next two rounds. Um, there's like a really wonderful dryness to this book. Like, he really, it reminds me of, uh, of reading. It reminds me of reading Murakami, because Murakami will have like just a lot of really basic sentences, like, I bathed, I rubbed myself dry, I ate a hamburger, and there's like a lot of that in this book. There's just so much every other sentence is about what they're drinking or eating or where they're traveling and what hill their carriage is going over. So much like when I was watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I started just keeping track of everything they drank in it, I started keeping a list and I know I'm missing things, um, but I started keeping a list of the drinks in this book and know that in addition to what I'm about to tell you about, there were just like so many bottles of wine. There were bags of wine in this whole passage where they go to Basque country and are like taught to pour wine from a bag from great heights. Much like that Chocolina. Oh yeah. Last week I was talking about Basque country, uh, country and Chocolina wine, how they pour it from great heights. Well, this book has a whole thing about them pouring it from leather bags into their mouths from great heights. Um, there's so many vermouths, so many random cognacs, so many things from Snifter's board. Uh, but in addition to that, more specifically, the first thing there's like a really in-depth quote about is Pernod, uh, which is mm, like cheap, cheap, not absinthe, but absinthe basically. And he has this great quote about it, like, lifting you up just as much as it brings you down. Makes sense. There's a couple of Jack Rose cocktails consumed, which I looked up. They're, they sound, you guys, they sound wretched. A Jack Rose consists of Applejack, 
grenadine and a citrus fruit like a lemon or a lime. That just does not sound good. There's a whole thing about champagne where they settle on talking about mum. They order fin, which is just basically French brandy. At one point, they, they arrive in Spain, they're cold, and the guy's like, tell them to make me a rum punch! And, of course, the innkeeper is like, I don't know what that is. And he just straight up tells her to how to make it, which I'm like, wow, entitled much. They order a lot of Jerez, aka Sherry. Uh, let's see, they drink from those leather bags. They drink an Ani del Mono. Like, there's a lot of uh, anise-flavored beverages in here, from Pernod to Ani del Mono. Uh, there's Fundador, which they call an Amontillado brandy. Oh shoot, I was going to look that up before I recorded, but I'm guessing Amontillado brandy is actually sherry, which is a fortified wine from Spain. There's a whole ass bottle of Chateau Margaux that the guy kills at his, like, his first lunch back in Paris by himself, um, and follows it up with, uh, Izara, and, oh gosh, okay, I wrote down a quote. Oh, right, so this guy orders a bottle of Chateau Margaux, finishes that with his meal, uh, which he's like, the meal was big for Paris standards, but compared to Spain, which, oh, quick tangent about the meals in Spain. I love it. I wrote down this quote. The first meal in Spain was always a shock with the hors d'oeuvres, an egg course, two meat courses, vegetables, salad, and a dessert and fruit. You have to drink plenty of wine to get it down. I love that. It's just like a, ugh, yeah. It's always like a good reason to have more wine. Um, so anyway, after the bottle of Margot, he is brought Izara, which the uh, the waiter informs him is a Bosque liqueur made of the flowers of the Pyrenees. And he says, it looked like hair oil and smelled like Italian strega. I told him to take the flowers of the Pyrenees and bring me a Vumark. So Vumark is a, it's kind of like grappa. It's where they take skins of grapes that were used to make wine and then they re-ferment them and then they distill it to make like a hot very boozy booze uh which i love the theory behind it they're also now last week if you listen to the drunk dial carrie dykes talked about piquette which is like wine made like that with with leftover skins um anyway and then after that passage she's like i had to over tip for offending them uh let's see there's at one point, there's a, like a really beautiful passage about a bullfight, and the only that's the only time like there's a really long passage in the book without booze being mentioned. The only beverage mentioned there is the bullfighter needing uh, needing water and not wanting to take it. Probably it's not booze. Uh, so anyway, let's see other things he drank. Oh yeah, so I was going to say the one other time he I remember him mentioning not booze beverages was he has some lemon juice and shaved ice after going to the beach and I was like wow lemon juice on shaved ice sounds so refreshing and good but then right after that he has a long whiskey and soda ah after that okay get this you've heard of the three martini lunch well Jake Barnes he and Brett have three martinis before lunch and then at lunch, they order some uh, some Rioja Alta, and he's talking, he's like, oh, Brett's not eating much, she never ate much, she's not even drinking much, which is silly to say after a woman just had three martinis, but he's like, so I had a giant lunch and polished off three bottles of Rioja Alta. My God, like I said, uh, if these wines either would make you disgusted with drinkers, so you drink less, you, you could read it, or if you just want to feel okay about the fact that you have a glass or two at the end of the day, 
this you'll be like well ugh, i'm not having three martinis before lunch must be okay moderation yeah. but the last thing i wanted to say about this book as a wine drinker and a wine lover is there is a passage about being a true fan of something and in the narrator's uh case he's being he's talking about being a true aficionado of bullfighting and how like as an american they didn't quite trust that he was actually a fan like there's something unspoken um anyway what he says about being a a true fan of bullfighting reminds me about of like when i meet other people that are truly wine people um so let me read this for you <clears throat> somehow it was taken for granted that an american could not have a fission he might simulate it or confuse it with excitement, but he could not really have it. When they saw that I had a fission, and there was no password, no set questions that could bring that out, rather, it was a sort of oral spiritual examination with the questions always a little on the defensive and never apparent, there was the same embarrassed putting the hand on the shoulder or a buen hombre, but nearly always there was actual touching. It seemed as though they wanted to touch you to make it certain. Montoya could forgive anything of a bullfighter who had a fission. He could... At once, he forgave me, all my friends. I love that passage both because I feel like the way the, uh, the people in Spain could sort of tell that the narrator had a true passion for bullfighting. It reminds me of when I meet people and we realize that we have like the same shared passion for wine. I also loved that he, <laughs> the guy just admits that his friends are pieces of shit because really there's a lot of kind of shitty people in this novel. And he's like, and um, that was enough to make the guy forgive me for my shitty friends. So yeah, Ernest Hemingway, a little bit of a jackass from what I hear, but also he does have a sense of humor that's a little wicked, but I enjoy. And he does have a way with words that's really, it's its kind of amazing. It can be very dry and very just basic and somehow you're enchanted by like the number of times someone's like, I ordered another drink. I don't know how he does it. It's i its a rhythm, it's a poetry. It's, it's a very enjoyable book. Okay, let's move on. Clue four. <clears throat> We had the who, Saskia de Rothschild. We had the what, which is the name, an idealized mountain that rose through the power of nature and then carefully was chiseled by human hands. We had the when, September 19th, 2019, the year it became available for, pay, uh, for purchase. Now we have the where, the Kushan Valley. Okay, uh, now I'm going to read you poll results. So hang on while I... While I get to the poll results that you guys gave me. <clears throat> so, we have, we have a cause 333 who, bless him, he has been like, <laughs> he's had a fission for the podcast from the get-go. And he said, I, the poll was, I was asking, what are you stockpiling? He said, actually using this time to try a whole range of new ones, not stocking up on anything in particular. Well, if you want to, if you're listening to this and you want to tell us what those, like any new discoveries, we'd love to hear them. And by we, I mean me. The lucky Mr. Fox, hi Morgan, says champagne, but somehow the stock isn't getting bigger. With a little like shrugging person emoji. Dude, I know, it's like I am 
will feel like I'm laying in stocks and I'm like, where'd the wine go? Okay. <clears throat> I mean, part of that has to do with the fact that you're only drinking wine at home now, whereas before it'd be like, well, I can go out tonight for some wine. Sean Smith MMA says, cheap Reggiano Lambrusco from Trader Joe's. High five with two hands. Uh, I love Lambrusco. Good Lambrusco. I haven't tried the cheap Lambrusco, but maybe it's good. Uh, anyway, good call. Elise Michelle. Hi, Elise. Says, Prosecco and Chianti all day. Which I appreciate. R. Mark T. Chi-Town says, California Pinot Noir. Can't argue with that. Delightful Table. Hi, Shahrazad says, I'm not trying to be picky right now. If it's wine, I'll drink it. <sighs> Truth. <clears throat> Truth in that. Okay, Robert Stelmachuk like tagged a whole bunch of wineries here so now i'm like oh i should seek these out he tagged at bottega gold at champagne peters oh i've had that before it's so good at uh n-a-t-t-e-v-a-l-l-e-i-j nat village i'm not sure at frias family vineyard at checkmate winery at badia underscore cultibuono at Hinchkey, well, yeah. <laughs> at Catena Wines, yes, love some Catena. At Wesley, at Lingua Franca Wines. Uh, I'm going to have to like go back and research all those and maybe seek them out. Thank you for all those suggestions, Robert. Uh, so, yeah, you guys had like a pretty interesting variety of things that you are laying in stocks of. Good stuff. Uh, before I do the last clue... So, wine bowl. I mentioned I wanted to be vulnerable. So, some wine bullshit in my life. I got some news today that was kind of, uh, it's such a petty thing. I feel bad even complaining about it. But basically, I have like a big birthday coming in August. And my last test that I would need to take to get my Wine and Spirit educa Educational Trust Diploma was in June and I guess I just wanted I wanted to have my birthday having having gotten my diploma I wanted to feel like I had reached that mile of that that mark and I got an email today of course everything's being canceled of course the test in June is being canceled they're saying it'll probably be in fall but like they also are like well if things get better faster maybe it'll be sooner we'll let you know I just, I wanted to be done with my diploma. I really wanted to be done with it. I've been studying I for, for this next test, even though it still would have been like two months off. But like, I'm just, I wanted to achieve this thing and it's out of my hands. I just found that out today. I should stop whining, but I'm kind of in the like beginning sort of like the let me whine about it stage of, of upset about it. And and who knows, maybe if everyone stays the fuck in, stay in, listen to podcasts, drink wine with me, um, maybe, maybe this thing will pass faster and they'll be like, oh, we can have the test earlier, but uh, it's out of my hands right now. So my new goal is like master of wine before the next milestone birthday. Ugh. You guys, at least we're all alive. There's that. I shouldn't complain about this. My other wine bull thing was someone sending me like a thing like advertising something that you either put in your wine or you run your, it's like you run your wine through it. I think it's like an aerator slash they claim it like 
purifies the wine of histamines and stuff. And they're like, everyone's staying in and drinking more. If you want to make sure that you, uh, that you don't overdo it and feel okay the next day, use this, use this device. And I'm kind of like, uh, no, maybe if you're drinking that much that you feel like you need to buy a device to make it a little less harmful, maybe you should just drink less. Just think about that. Okay. Uh, before I get to clue number five, uh, dudes, you, 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 I'm pretty sure a lot of us have the time if we're not working in medical care or at a grocery store. Uh, if, if you have time, if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be so cool. I would love that. That would, yeah, that would be super duper cool. So I'm just going to put that out there. Now I'm going to get to clue number five. I'm running through all the other clues. Wow, this episode is going long. <clears throat> Who? Saskia de Rothschild. What? The name of the wine, which means an idealized mountain that rose through the power of nature and was then carefully chiseled by human hands when September 19th, 2019, where Keyshawn Valley, why? If you buy this wine, it might just be to show what a fucking baller you are. So, if you haven't guessed it before, this wine is Long Dai, which is a wine that the... Okay, so in Bordeaux, where some of the most expensive French wines come from, they're one of the first growths, aka like the most expensive, most like renowned, sought after delicious wines. I haven't had this one yet. Anyway, Lafitte is, uh, Lafitte Rothschild is a first growth owned by uh, Domaine Baron de Rothschild. Saskia de Rothschild is the chairwoman of that. And they decided they wanted to make wine in China, which makes sense because China, like the, the Chinese wine buying population was crazy for Bordeaux. So yeah, they decided to make this wine called Long Dai. Uh, like I said, grown in the Qishan Valley, Q-I-U space S-H-A-N, which is in the Shandong province, which is in the northeastern part of China. They're growing, uh, they're making it with Cabernet Sauvignon, Marcelon, I'm not familiar with. I'm not sure if that's just a Chinese one. I'll have to look it up for you. And Cabernet Franc. It says there's granitic soil there. Cold winters, but not as cold as parts of China. Um, that was your who, what, when, where, why wine. I kind of wanted to like lead you astray with the Saskia de Rothschild uh, clue because I think a lot of people originally would probably just be like, it's Lafitte Rothschild. It's that in France, uh, but it's not. It's Chinese wine. So, I mean... I have yet to try Chinese wine, and I don't know when that's going to happen. I've seen it available by the glass for like $90 a glass at Wally's before. Haven't had it. Okay. So, guys, it's time for a drunk dial. I've had about, yeah, probably a little over, not quite a half, but like a third, a little over a third of the Oslina. My friend Roxy, who I talked about last week, she lives in New Orleans now. Roxy's amazing. She is, when I met her, she, <laughs> we were both by ourselves at a bar after the raw wine fair. It was like one of the raw wine after parties that you're just like, oh, everybody's going here. I'll go. And we just started talking. She was new to LA then. She was, she was a manager at Catch, which was a big seafood restaurant. And then she and her boyfriend moved to New Orleans to manage restaurants there. So she's a hospitality person who, God, she's in my heart right now. Here you the podcast has heard all about you and your sweet baby jesus wine oh my gosh well cool coincidence i am drinking that today yes oh my god it is honestly it's such a delight it was just a reminder that when i listened to it last i'm like oh man i have to score a bottle because it's super (laughs) fine 
And lo and behold, I ordered an assorted case, and it ended up being one of the lines. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, it was do you know how you say it? it? Is it? Did you say I'm a toy? I'm a toy. Okay. Cool. I'm a toy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys, you gotta, you gotta get into this line because Roxy recommends and I recommend, and it's so good. And now I'm gonna have to go find myself a bottle. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. Well, are you ready to play the final five? I sure am. All right. Question number one. Classic question. What you drinking besides Chocolina? <laughs> yeah. Like, so, is there anything yeah, you're drinking these days? Chocolina definitely is always high up on my list. So I'm in New Orleans, and the weather is getting hot. It's definitely perfect porch drinking weather. Here we can drink outside all the time, which is really great. But you know, with this quarantine, we're all stuck on the porch. It's as far as I can drink. <laughs> And so um, I'm drinking a lot of what I call quaffable wines, or when I'm being a little bit more crude, porch pounders. So porch pounders. Yeah, some um, Chenin Blanc is always my jam. I'm oh, telling you, Oh, baby. Man. That's my yeah. favorite white grape. Oh. Yeah. So sh- and, and any Chenin that I can get my hands on. Um, one of my favorites particularly is the Domaine de Bomard Sauvignon when I'm feeling real fancy. Um <laughs> And 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 beautiful, just chillable reds. So I'm really mm. enjoying. Uh, I really like a little bit of frappato from Sicily because it just goes well with a little bit of chill. Um, Bonetta makes a really, really, really fantastic one. Um, and uh, the Listan Negro from the Canary Islands. Um, yeah, like I love that stuff. Yeah, so Fiora's volcanic wines are my jam. Oh, so good. Um, okay, question number two. Uh, what's the best pairing you've ever had? In any kind of food, any kind of drink? Okay, best pairing I've ever had. I'm going to think about my aha moment pretty much. Ooh. Um, you know what? I'm going to say one of the best pairings I ever had that just really, like, popped to mind was that I went to this place in um, L.A., downtown L.A., called Winston and Orso, I think mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah, which is, like, this really fantastic kind of, Centano. like, yeah. Restaurants. yeah. It's uh, like a Japanese, but also has like French influence. And we, and I did a heaven sake thing there. And um, the pipe, the wine maker from Piper Heitzig was there Ooh. because that's a collaboration between Desai and Piper Heitzig. And I have this really, really cool like congee porridge, which is like a rice porridge with some Jumai Daiginjo, and it was mind-blowing. It was, like, honestly, sake is not something that I am very, very well-versed in, and it knocked my socks off. Wow. Got it. Like, the umami and the crispness, and then there was, like, that really, like, cool, like, string of, like, almost, like, not, not, like, lemony acidity, but almost, like, it, it was... It was like a high acidity, but I can't call it like citrus. It came from like a different kind of fruit, and it was like awesome. It was amazing. Amazing. Okay, question number three. Um, I'm calling on your your Puerto Rican uh, heritage. Uh, yes. What's What's the first thing you look forward to eating and or drinking when when you go back? Oh, when I go back to Puerto Rico, awesome. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So there is a specific place um that is like in the mountains, pretty much in Puerto Rico. There's this is like super classic grandpa who like makes like what's called like roast pork but he does like the whole pork on the spit and then he just like does like all of the traditional kind of Puerto Rican dishes um his name is APA APA and he's really good friends with Eric Repair he like became like a super old school classic like 
Hibaro, which is what we call like a like a mountain guy or like a like a farmer guy, and he just like makes like the most beautiful like whole roasted pig that you could ever have. So like that's gonna be the first thing I eat once I get up. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay. Uh, question number four: When when the dust settles and we all get to leave our porches, wh- where do you like to drink in New Orleans? Oh man, that's awesome! Thanks, thanks for asking that question. Well, actually, a couple. There's there's so many amazing places. And where are you going to? Where where what restaurant were you at? This is a two part yeah. question. What, yeah. Where okay, were yeah. you at before? So everyone knows right. where they can find let's, you. Let's start with four A. Let's say where I would go to eat and drink. Um, a couple of options. Um, for for drinks, definitely. Um, cocktails is an amazing bar called Jewel of the South. Um, that's run by an amazing bartender named Chris Hanna. Um, and just like some of the best like bartenders in the city in general, just do the most creative cocktails and they have a beautiful wine selection too. Um, as far as wine shops, there's an amazing one called the independent Cavo, and they are really, really exciting. Um, during this quarantine, they're awesome because they have been making kind of like cases of wine and delivering them to people's houses. So they stayed open. Which is, is that awesome. where you got your mixed case from? That's where I got my mixed case from. This really, really uh. awesome guy named Jonathan Gray in town um, built me a beautiful case of wine based on my, like, beverage parameters, which is awesome. And cool. then um, as far as, like, when I'm trying to treat myself to a super, super nice, fancy meal, there is this really cool Israeli steakhouse called Doris Metropolitan. They actually do some of the best veggie dishes in town, Ellen. You would die. Oh, wait, have this- is that where you were or were working? Yeah, I was or working. managing? Yeah. Yeah, I was working there for a little while. It's an amazing place. They have a really, really fantastic sommelier named Johnny Slamin who just like is a genius and can pair your food with anything, but they have a, a cheese roast, a cheese stuffed roasted beef that like will knock your socks off. It's like one of the most beautiful beet dishes I've ever had. I love beets. <laughs> Me too. Cool. Um, oh, and right. my second part oh, yeah. question. Yeah. I, um, so I'm working at, um, I'm working at a really quaint little wine bar called La Bar. L-A-B-A-R-R-E, which is just kind of like a, a small production wine bar that's attached to a cool theater space that does awesome performances. And oh then God. I also, and my, and, my talk, and my partner and I have a taco pop-up. <gasps> yeah. Amazing. Uh, cool. Okay, well, this brings us to question number five. You probably know what it is. What's, what's bringing you some joy? What is bringing me some joy? Honestly, the amazing weather that we're having in New Orleans in spite of this, you know, difficult time and the camaraderie between hospitality professionals in the city. People are really taking care of each other and people are really coming through for each other to make sure that we can live to fight another day. Good stuff. Um, So if people want to find you online, you're, you're Eve Sputnik on the, on the Instagram. If people the want gram. to say hi to you there, is there anywhere else you want to plug? No, that's perfect. Eve Sputnik is, that's where I am. I, you know, I post anything from puppies to wine <laughs> to cool events that I'm part of in town. And yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for doing this, Roxy. Thanks, um, Ellen. This has been a delight. I'm so stoked to be enjoying this great wine with you right now. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening and cheers. Salute. Class. 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 I just.
drink wine. I don't fuck with IPAs. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with minutes. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee mates. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't test me, motherfucker. I'm a Somali a boardwalk audio podcast for more information and shows visit boardwalkaudio.com don't forget to rate and subscribe now